there's a huge difference between being valued and feeling valued. And one is more important than the other. I talked to the, about this today with Dr. Outlaw. She's an incredible administrator. She has 25 years experience and she's going through a lot of stuff uh, as a leader right now. And she shares a very vulnerable story about her journey as an educator, as an administrator and how hard the last year has been. And I think it's really kind of reassuring because I know a lot of us, including myself, are struggling with many things. And to hear her to be so open and authentic about some of those struggles and talk about also some of the successes, some of the things that she's seen that's really positive. But just hearing that and being open and honest is really something I really value. But she also talks about the importance of being seen and why that matters so much. And not just talking about our students and thinking about how do we ensure that our kids are being seen, the ones that can easily fall under the radar that we don't necessarily pay attention to. We have a really great conversation about that, but also our staff and how important it is. This is such a great conversation. I felt uh, just, it was just so authentic and exciting to talk to Dr. Aula. And she also, you know, uh, at the end of it shares a little bit about uh, some tips for my daughter who wants to go to New York City one day. I just love the conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And I am really thrilled to have Dr. Outlaw on the podcast today. And just having a conversation with her, she's been in administration for 20 plus years. Uh, been in education, I think, 25 years. Just, we were talking about this this GIF and we were actually arguing if it's GIF or GIF. I don't know. I don't know if it's different in Canada versus like New York State of, of this basketball player. And you'll see it on the screen uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, there's this UCLA basketball game where, where one of the players puts his head down and the, one of his teammates comes and like lifts it up. And that, that is like legitimately every interaction. I feel like I'm like, I, just, I don't know. I always seem to have bad days until I connect with you. Like I'm always having a bad day. And then you're like, just like lifting my head up. And, I, and I'm Which sure you do Right. And I, and I, I bet you do that. There's so many people that say that too. So I am like so excited just to talk to you, get to know you better. And hopefully all the people listening right now get to know some of your educational journey. So when you look uh, and you go through your career, can you just tell us, you know, like how you got into education and just a little bit about your educational journey that, you know, got you 25 years uh, in, in the profession? Well, first I was going to go in business and make a whole lot of money <laughs> where, I, right. where I grew up. Um, it was certainly a struggle. I grew um, up in Queens and um, saw that my mom and every day that she had to go to work, it was a struggle for mm -hmm. her. And I did not want to struggle in that way. And I actually wanted to make enough money to buy her a house and take care of her and make sure that um, she would never have to worry about mm -hmm. money a day in her life. And so that didn't happen because once I had to take the math classes that <laughs> the business requires, yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, maybe that's not for me. <laughs> so uh, that math teacher that inspired me, it only went both so far. <laughs> and then um, I then decided um, based on, I, I think in fifth grade, I had a teacher by the name of Miss Brown mm -hmm. and Miss Brown looked at me while I was online one day, because I guess I was a little bossy kid that would tell everybody that they needed to get in line and listen to the teacher. 
that I was going to be a teacher <laughs> one day. It's like this little one, she called another teacher over. This little one's going to be a teacher one day. That's amazing. So that planted seed started to grow slowly um, once the idea of making a whole lot of money was out of the way. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll become a teacher, an English language arts teacher. And mm-hmm. um, I was never a reader reader. Mm-hmm. I, I read, but I wasn't um, one who would devour a book. I was too worried more about what I was going to or how I was going to pass all of my classes and do right. get the best grade that I could than sit and read. Um, and so I said, but English language arts, you can't be wrong. That's your opinion. You just have to prove it with the text. That's right. I could do that. <laughs> and so then I said I'd become an English language arts teacher and teach secondary because those children I could Mm -hmm. still have somewhat of an impact on. Like I I wanted to make sure that um, I was able to help those who struggled um, like myself um, do well. And so uh, after I graduated college and um, started teaching, I taught in New York City. I taught at Chancellor Districts and those are districts with struggling schools. And I taught at that district, and those were majority minority children. And so um, I said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to help them just like Mr. Campo helped me, show them that I believe in them just like Ms. Brown did, mm-hmm. and help to uplift them. I mean, um, that, that, I love that. I love and that. I absolutely love that. And so I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of people are now able to see that yeah. because of you. Cause um, and so what I um, then said was that, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be there for kids. Mm-hmm. I want to make a difference for the kids that I interact with. And um, I, in two of the chancellor districts that I was a part of, um, I was there for a few years and then I came to Bayshore. I, and I've been here ever since my, you know, over 20 years has been here in Bayshore with a majority of those being a school administrator. And I moved from teaching um, and classroom instruction because I, in my mind, thought that I would help to make a difference for um, more children mm-hmm. by helping to be impactful with staff. And so um, when I came to Bayshore, I felt like I had died and gone to heaven because resources in the Chancellor's mm-hmm. districts, it was, I remember having to um, like make um, or give a code and I was limited to the number of copies that I could make. <laughs> and so when I came to Bayshore, like I brought, okay, so mm-hmm. you would get a stipend as a New York City teacher. And at that time it was $250 in the year mm-hmm. um, because they knew that you were buying your own supplies. Mm-hmm. I saved up my little check so that I could buy a personal copier <laughs> just so that oh, I could God. make copies Are you That's for amazing. The kids <laughs> that I was teaching. And so then like I bought my little personal copier and I didn't have to worry about the, you know, kind of minimization that was being imposed mm-hmm. upon me for copies. And when I came to Bayshore, <laughs> I'll never forget. Um, I needed to make some copies. And I said, okay, so what code do I have to put in? Where do I have right. to go? And they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? 
Right. And I said, no, in the city, I had to put in a code and I only had like, like let's say a hundred copies that I mm. could do for the year or whatever. And they're like, no, you just go into the copy room and make copies. I was like, really? I felt like I died and went to heaven. <laughs> I was like, you can make as many copies. This is like, this want. is like hashtag teacher things. <laughs> yes. I and it was that. Christmas. Like it was just Christmas. <laughs> and so, um, and so I then, when, when thinking about going to administration, I knew that Bayshore was the only place that I wanted yeah. to be an administrator in because of the way that you felt um, in the buildings. Mm -hmm. Everyone was pleasant. Everyone wanted to help you. And I wanted to keep that going as the school leader where the culture that I cultivated was one where when someone walked through that front door, that they felt like they were already home, that mm -hmm. they were already mm -hmm. welcome, and that they were already a part of something, and that they mattered. Mm -hmm. Because all throughout my years, both you know, growing up as a kid and then um, teaching, I was in the shadows. Whether I put myself there or whether I was made to um, sort of know my place, mm -hmm. and I say that because I just finished reading the book, Cast, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and they talk about sort of the, the um, situations that make people feel like, um, like they need to be silent more than they need to speak. And more about um, recognizing that when people feel heard, they actually contribute more mm -hmm. to the culture and environment because they then are empowered to do things, share things that at times they might have been silent about. Mm -hmm. And it's those different voices that I try to encourage and that um, I, I seek to make sure that I include. I try to amplify the voices of the quietest person mm -hmm. in the room because I recognize that once I do that and once I support them and once I encourage that, that they excel far beyond what they themselves even thought. Mm -hmm. was possible well they, they so it's it's interesting like you know we like you kind of joke a little bit about the photocopier thing but there's something really big about that right and when you say about how it, it's 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 like i want to be at a place where i feel appreciated where it's it's not just you say it the actions line up and it's like it's like saying, oh, like we so appreciate teachers, like they're the best. And but we need you to kind of spend all your own money, and we need you to do this. And we're not going to really do these things. And so like, but we so appreciate you. <laughs> and it's like, well, not really. Like none of your actions are lining up with that. And I always talk about the difference uh, that there is a really important, and it, it's like you you exemplified the story, is that there is a difference between being valued and feeling valued. And when you did the photocopier thing, that was you feeling valued. And like, that's, that's what I want to be. And I think when we get that feeling, we want to create that for others too, where they have this, this, this is going to be, this isn't just, this is, I think this is just our school district, but it, this was a, such a subtle thing. It was just a, a little thing. And this might like throw off some people listening to this. So when I was a principal, every staff member had their own school credit card right? Like they had a legitimate, their own credit card and they had, a, <laughs> and they had, a, I'm not even kidding. They had a, they had like a certain, I'm like, what? yeah, they had a certain <laughs> limit. 
of like what they would do so that they wouldn't like there was not even the step of like you go buy stuff and then we'll reimburse you it's like no you use a credit card and like if we see you're buying a sports car like we're gonna flag that and there's gonna be something there <laughs> and like you had to like you know say like yeah, i bought this blah 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 but it wasn't like we didn't even want that temporary and like just even thinking about it there's times in my career where like i was i had a thousand dollar overdraft and I was like always within $20 of it at the end of each month. So I couldn't spend an extra 25 bucks, right? On school supplies. Right. And like, you know, I, like I remember that was something I really struggled with. And so that was never something that a teacher had to deal with. And we'd say like, Hey, you got like an X amount of limit for the year, but if you need to go beyond it, just, just come and talk to me and we'll like, wow. you know, and so like little things like that make a difference. And I think a lot of people when they, um, when they actually see that, like when they actually, um, that little thing is something about making sure people feel appreciated that they're not doing this. And I, I've always had this issue and it's like, just kind of understood that teachers spend their own money. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like if it's for kids, then we as a school should be paying for that. It should never be coming out of teachers pockets. And as a, and, you know, as an administrator, like, we figure out those solutions. Like we figure out that process, but you know, I, I don't know every school situation, but I, I honestly believe then we got to do everything to feel weight. Don't just assume teachers can pay out of that pocket. Yes. Uh, I, I got to ask you this question. And were you, did you struggle? Like, did you, did you struggle a bit as a student? Like kind of like, like, like you seem like some stuff you struggle with or like, did you ever, you said you mentioned something about like, kind of just kind of gaming the system a little bit with like English language arts. <laughs> well, um, yes, I did. I, str I struggled um, and worked really hard at yeah. trying not to. Yeah. And it frustrated me because um, I almost felt like um, I was supposed to know these things. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to get it as easy as other um, children did. Um, I had a, a friend, I would, I would connect myself to the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. right? And so whoever the smartest kid was, I wanted to sit next to that kid because I wanted to see how they did what they did. Right. And um, I then um, was never seen by the teacher in the same way mm -hmm. as the person who I was trying to at least mm -hmm. um, emulate in some way, shape or form. And so um, by the time that I got to high school, I gave up. Mm -hmm. I figured, you know what? I keep trying and I'm not getting there. I'm not being seen and I'm getting good grades. And I'm sure my mom, you know, loved me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there was never any emphasis on, right. you know, getting good grades, not. And um, in high school, I started hanging with a different crowd and um, didn't do all the things mm -hmm. that I was supposed to and um, then had to play catch up when I was I failed a couple of classes and um, and, and wanted to graduate um, a little earlier um, and uh, just started to see that um, if I didn't work hard mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to get where I wanted to go um, friends started making fun of me by having my backpack on all the time and mm -hmm. having my books and that sort of thing. But I knew where I wanted to go mm -hmm. and that if I didn't work hard, I wouldn't get there. Um, and so I, I had to, um, sort of try to make up 
for lost time. And it, it I started to not believe in my own abilities even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, almost as if I was living up to the expectations that some had of me not going anywhere or doing very much. Um, and so when I think about um, sort of the role that teachers play in where a child um, either is seen or views him or herself, that small words can help to make such a significant difference. And I know everybody knows this, um, but a smile in and of mm-hmm. itself and can just turn a kid's world around. And so um, I, 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 I wanted to give more of that to the children that I served Mm -hmm. because even through the struggles, no child, and you mentioned this when we were talking a little bit before, Mm -hmm. no one wants to do bad. We don't get up every morning saying, I'm going to figure out how I can upset a teacher or I'm just, you know, I'm not going to do any work today. Mm -hmm. There's a self um, fulfilling prophecy that that child could be enacting, but simply because they've hit a brick wall every time that they've tried. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes, why try if I'm still going to hit the same wall? And so I think just turning, turning things around a little bit Mm -hmm. for one, one kid can make a significant difference for more, more of them. Well, what's interesting, the reason you kind of alluded that you struggled a little bit, and that's kind of where I picked it up on, but it's interesting because you can see that that impact like on you as a child has helped you become a successful administrator, right? Because you don't want kids to feel that. And like, I, I, I was a bad kid. And, and like kindergarten, grade eight, I was like an angel. And then I don't know what happened. You know, I guess puberty. I don't know. I was just terrible. And for, for several years and when kids got sent to my office, I'm like, that's it. That's all you did. Like I've done way worse, right? Like this is nothing. (laughs) And just, just kind of like hearing some of that, but you became like an advocate and you said, you said something that I think is really important and really resonates with me. And I like, I I sometimes want to point out the bad example just so people like, if they do that, they, I'm like, don't do like, just don't do that. Right. Like the, the initial, the smile, I really struggled when I saw adults pass children in a school and not acknowledge them. I don't care if you teach them or not. I honestly don't. And, and there was a, there was a student in, I, I listened to that had struggled. She had talked about literally being suicidal for years. And she, she said this, and I'll never forget it. This is in West Dallas. Uh, Deidre Raymer, who's been on the podcast, uh, hosted this. She brought students to talk that students who struggled in school and said, like, hey, here's my experience. And, like, let's try not to, like, let's try not to have this. She said that there is a teacher in that school who, who greeted her and said her name every single day, never taught her once. And that was, the, that was what kept her alive for four years. And it's just wow. like that, that was just like never, but never taught her one class ever. And, and then the, the thing that I want to point out the negative, I have, I remember this one principle that, and I'm not going to get into too many details that when they walked down the hallway, it was like the parting of the red sea. Everyone was terrified. And it was almost like they wanted that 
That's what they wanted. It was like, like I'm the principal, right? And I know they did very well in school. And it was like the expectation. And it's like a lot of kids don't see themselves. And like you said, you know, I want to be really good. The part of the reason I was such a bad kid is because I struggled academically, but I was going to be the best at something. And if it was the best annoying kid, then I'll be that. Cause I, cause I, I could rule that I'm going to, no one's going to challenge me on that. That comes easy. Yeah. Like, and so like, I was like, Hey, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen as the dumb kid. I'm going to be like the most annoying kid. Like I'm going to get the award for being the most annoying. So I'm the best at something in this class. Right. And so I, like, I, I appreciate that. But do you like, do you find that that experience, like how does that help you as an administrator with kids right now? And, and this is something that I encourage with um, the staff as well. It's that idea of being seen mm-hmm. again. My mornings, I spend, um, you know, good morning. How are you? Right. Come on in and saying the names and everything. Hey, sweetheart, how are you? Mm-hmm. But just acknowledging the children and the adults. Mm-hmm. So we stop. I stand out in my um, vestibule uh, with a book in my hand, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big proponent of... Uh, of reading right now. Um, It's in your email. Every time it's in your email, what you read. Yes. (laughs) And I'll hold a book because it's one of the most non-threatening ways to invite conversation. Mm -hmm. I will hold whatever book I'm reading in my hand. Um, And sometimes it's a middle grade book Mm -hmm. so that the kids are like, oh, Dr. Allo, what are you reading right now? Or sometimes it's um, whatever text I'm reading and the teachers are like, oh, what are you reading right now? So that um, conversations are had beyond, for kids especially, a disciplinary one with the principal. Mm -hmm. Because often what happens is I'm sitting with a kid when it's gotten too far. Mm -hmm. And so my interactions with children who um, either can go unseen or the children who is doing well, I have the opportunity in the cafeterias with that book and in the hallways with that book to have conversations with them so that they are seen mm-hmm. and those good mornings matter. Those smiles matter. And how are you doing? Totally. Matters. You, do you know? So like what, and this is something that I always point out when like I talk about this and I think it's really important. I guarantee you that time you spend that saves you hours later, right? It saves you hours for parents who might not trust you because you never have contacted them. That staff that, you know, you don't really talk to them. You know, that kid that this is their first interaction that they have with you because, you know, like, but if you interact with them hallway, you have some pleasantry and it's kind of like, you know, it's the cliche. Like you want a kid when they, they do something wrong, they, they, they want, you want them to feel that you're disappointed in them. Cause that's, that's the yes. killer. Cause the, the only reason you feel that any kid feels that is that you built a relationship. Like that's the only way that actually happens. And I think that to me is like so important to the work that we actually do and, and having those conversations and, and having some of those things. And I, and I appreciate that. And I, I love that, that strategy of just holding a book, right? Like, and, and what they might ask you conversation, uh, you know, I, 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 I was saying as you, I, I felt like when you said like, yeah, I wasn't a big reader. Like I, I did the same thing. I'd read a bit and write yeah. an essay and just say like, <laughs> can't be right. wrong. It's my opinion. Right. That's so right. <laughs> I love that. I love and that. I, um, along the, along the lines with holding the book and, and this probably is hard for some to believe. Um, I, 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 
I, I don't really like a whole lot of social um, mm. interactions, conversations, whatever you want to call it. Um, at times, I see myself as an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, carrying a book allows me to have others come into a conversation with me and engage me in a conversation um, around something that I enjoy, right? And they evidently must as well. And so then it allows for an organic development Mm -hmm. of a relationship that may not have existed before or have ever been sought out by either the student or me or the staff member and me. So it was one of the, um, I call it low-hanging fruit strategies Mm -hmm. or one of those um, ways in which it's no matter your personality, Mm -hmm. whether you're one who always wants to reach out or not, you can do it. It's everybody can do that. I love that. It's like, it's like carrying a prop. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, so, okay. I, th- I thought of something and I, and I want your thoughts on this and I, I, I'll, I'll never forget this. And you know, I like, we've talked enough. I know, you know, I love basketball. I'm really into sports and things like this. And there's this analogy I give. So I remember there's these two coaches, right? And this is like legit. And there was this one coach who would mouth off the entire game and you just ignored him. You just ignored him. Cause it's like, and, and I've actually, I learned a lot about that is that sometimes when you speak too much that people just tune you out. Right. And then there's like, then there was this other coach who never said anything and then might snap on you. And he would be like one tenth of annoying as the other person, but it was so rare that you would like give him a technical, right? You, and I remember roughing this, and it's like, and I so I remember this one time when I was teaching, and you, you have some kids who are struggling, you know, goofing off all the time, and then I have this one student who's like top academic student in the class, and she was uh, she was an incredible athlete, and I remember her goofing off in class just a bit, and I just was God on her about it and just like gave her a hard time. She's like, Mr. Kroos, like I don't ever do anything wrong. You ignore that kid who's doing 10 times worse because you're so used to it. And then you get on me for doing one thing. Right. And, and you do this and I don't think that's fair. And I was like, that's a really good point. Right. Like I'm, I'm holding you to like, basically you have to be perfect. And as long as this kid's not like eating their pencil, then I'm good. Right. And <laughs> jumping and, out of the window. Yeah. And I've all, okay. like, I've, and she, she actually like her, her mom reached out to me, uh, just recently, uh, it was my birthday recently. And she said like, you are my daughter's favorite teacher. And because I actually like, like, I didn't say no too bad. I was like, that's actually a really good point. Like, thank you. And I would like, she was like, and it's like, she taught me, right? Like that cliche, but she like legit at me. I'm like, oh, that's, that's actually like, I'm being wrong here. Like, and I think sometimes, uh, I think part of that notion of what you say about being seen, right. Is that we assume some kids, uh, are seen because they might be doing academically well. And then, then something crazy happens. Like, I can't believe it. That kid It's like, well, no one was paying attention to them. Right. Because they just, they kind of flew under the radar because they were always doing, they were always good. Like, like, am I, I wonder what you think about that advice from that student. Like I, I was like, yeah, that was, that was a good lesson for me. But we do it all the time. Even with staff, 
We do that all yeah. the time. If the staff member says, no, I'm okay, I'm good, yeah. we move on to that. You, you, know, you mentioned in mm -hmm. our earlier um, conversation that 90% of our time is spent with 10% yep. of our population, right? right? And so when those that are doing what they usually do kind of keep doing what they usually do, they go unseen. Mm -hmm. And those that then are the squeaky wheels that are constantly telling us how um, much work they have and the things that are yeah. going on and how they're struggling, we're always trying to make sure they're okay. Yeah. So um, there was an idea by um, I, I, Alice, Allison, um, I want to yeah. say, and I yeah. know that yeah. um, she's, yep, she's one that you mentioned while we were in the LLA course. Yeah. And there was that one question survey that she had created, sent out to her staff. I was like, oh, another low-hanging idea that I could implement, mm -hmm. right? There's no um, no risk, low risk. That mm -hmm. was the word that I was trying to think of. Al Allison, I, I think it was Allison Apsey, the principal in Michigan, right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. yes. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm no, mixing no, up good. names. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so um, that low risk um, action step allowed me to share, ask the staff, how are you doing? And identify those who were like sharing, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Because what I did was after a couple of weeks of them saying they're okay, I wrote a hand, a, a handwritten card that said, thanks for always taking the time out of your busy mm -hmm. schedule to make sure that you are letting me know how you're doing. Just know that I'm here if there's ever anything that you need. And I and, and I got a lot of notes back that said, like, thanks for, you know, kind of uh, touching base. But it was really all so that they knew, even though they were okay, mm -hmm. that they were still seen, mm -hmm. that they still mattered in the grand scheme of it all. Because there's nothing worse than, you know, you trying to hang in there and do what you need to and feeling like it's not being recognized. Well, th there, there is this thing, right? Like when we have high, and I'm speaking specifically about staff members, is that we have high achieving staff who you just assume to do great stuff. And they, and then we pay attention to, you know, parts of struggle. And this is all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those really high achieving people leave. They're gone because they craved mentorship but they didn't necessarily need it. Or we said, hey, we know that you always come through on stuff. So, and I think Todd Whitaker talks about this, basically as a punishment for you coming through with stuff, we're gonna just pile yeah. things on to you and you know, just compound that and, and see how much we can work you because we know that person's gonna say no, right? So we're not even gonna bother, not even gonna have the conversation. So like, we're gonna punish you for doing such a great job. And I think we just have to be, I think we have to be aware of that because Sometimes people that really do a great job when they're not getting any attention, they, they still want to grow. They still want mentorship. They want places where they feel to develop. And, and I feel like you basically want like a lot of people that I know and I've connected with, they have, they outgrow their school districts because nobody's trying to help them to get better. It's like, they're just, they're applauded for being awesome, but no one's like pushing them still. And they're like, look, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to get better at what I do. And if no one's pushing me, I'm going to go somewhere where they will. Right. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, and we've had a couple conversations about this. So tell me about this school year. 
(laughs) (laughs) Tell me, because I think a lot of people, and I know like, you know, like, just tell me about the school year because I think, you know, this is one of the reasons why I have you on the podcast. You're, you know, you're a principal doing this work and I, I like, I can't even imagine how hard it is. Like, I can't even imagine how hard it is in any role in education. I'll I'll try and sum it up by saying (laughs) There are several times where I said, if I could take my keys and I could put them on the desk right, and I could say, good luck to whoever was going to sit here, I would have done that right. in a heartbeat. Right. And it's really because everything that I knew about leadership and about mm-hmm. being a good school leader was out the window. Right. Like I felt like it was, um, I felt like. I became a manager mm-hmm. all over again. I said, my first year was tough, but this year was even more difficult right. than my first. And, and what I felt like things were constantly changing and trying to manage that change, trying to keep the staff sort of um, informed Mm -hmm. and understanding about those changes and trying to help them through the struggles that they were having while trying to manage my own. It just left me feeling um, depleted. And as a result, I I didn't know how to um, gather enough um, to sustain them and me and i just felt like a failure mm-hmm. i really did i felt like i'm not doing enough to keep this going mm-hmm. and so i just wanted out i wanted to run i said there were times where i said if i could crawl <laughs> up in a corner right stick my thumb in my mouth and rock i i i would have done that i i well seriously considered it. and, and that, that's what i think a lot of people like and i'll, I'll ask you what because you're still here you didn't give up the keys so I don't know. I don't know if you're like if we're in the two week notice part or something like that. Uh, um, Another reveal, right? Right. Moving on to the superintendency, but like, I, like I really wonder how many people took early retirement this year. Said, you know what? Um, like I'm, I'm out. Like I'm good. This I don't want to be here this year. And, and like, understandably so. And I think one of the things I appreciate is that I think. Like I, I do this quite a bit and it's really interesting because I'll say like, hey, here's this thing that I did that really worked and here's this thing that's awesome. And I'll get like, hey, thanks for the idea. And then I'll say like, hey, this, I sucked at this. I had a really hard time and I just get like tons of emails like, thank you for saying it. I, I feel I'm not alone, uh, you know, because like I think a lot of people need to hear this, right? And I, like I, 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 I know that you are a very still a positive person. Right? I have a boxer group. That's a middle school principal's boxer group. And if not for those um, external supports, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have been able to uh, keep this going. What I found was that I could talk with them candidly. Mm -hmm. And they were struggling and going through the Mm -hmm. same things. Like, how are you going to open up the building? I'm like, I don't know. What is the school year going to look like? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yet I had to make the decisions that were needed before I knew what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. 
And so when they were going through the same things, shout out to my middle school principal boxer group. Okay, um, just a, you got the, the shout out to the middle school principal boxer group. <laughs> I love how you queued that up. I was like, I wasn't ready. I was like, oh, I to get the button ready. <laughs> um, I, um, I leaned on them heavily. Right. I did. And, um, and then because of the things that they were doing, they inspired me to try mm -hmm. some of those, um, things. So for example, like, um, we had a principal in the group who, um, put together, um, little, um, cards to put in the mailboxes mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. teachers, um, just to say, you know, a lifesaver, um, yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. in there, but they, I was like, let me do that. I got so much feedback about that. I'm like, yes, that fed right. me the, the positive energy then said, wait, it's not so far different when you're able to help them see the potential mm -hmm. in themselves and you get that um, energy back. It sustains you mm -hmm. for a little bit longer. And then you look for something else that will sustain you for a little bit longer. And so those little moments that can carry you through is what helped me to not put those keys on the desk. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're not yeah. going anywhere. So, so, <laughs> so the, like when I'm listening to you, it's kind of like, and it's actually interesting because when I first became a principal, I actually, that's when I really started on Twitter because you're the only one that's it, right? You're the only principal. And as much as you rely on your assistant principal, your admin team, things like that, it's, it's the one that's, you're the only one there, right? Like you're the only one in that position. And it's kind of like when you find those groups, it's like, you're alone together. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's a way is like, Hey, um, and it's not like you're trying to separate yourself from teaching, but your role is unique and it's hard. Sometimes you have to go to other people who have done that job and maybe who are new to the job or, you know, have fresh ideas and things like that because you're going in that spaces. So you go, you're going into the spaces. So that's good. And I, it's like, you know, it's, I'm sure too, great ideas, things that you could do with your staff, but just like you said, to be seen and, and to be heard and like saying like this, this sucks. This is like so hard. And someone saying, yeah, it does suck. And that's it. Like not saying it sucks, <laughs> but it's like, nope, it sucks. Like, and you know, I think a lot of, it's good. And it's I good didn't to have feel that. judged. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. it, the main thing was that I didn't feel like I was being judged, mm -hmm. where I felt like every step of the way with every other decision and action that I was being judged because mm -hmm. I was the building principal mm -hmm. and I was the one responsible right. for the culture and for leading things. And, you know, if I made a mistake um, yeah. and I could talk about it with the group, it didn't inhibit me from being able to acknowledge mm -hmm. that. So, so I talked about basketball before and this analogy, and I, I know you'll appreciate this. So I refed for years and, and this is what the, the thing with, and it's the same thing with administrators. If you are a really good ref, nobody notices you. Nobody notices you. If you suck, everyone notices you, <laughs> right? Everyone. And it's like, and it's like, you, like, cause you the, 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 yeah, the part of it, like if you're a referee, people don't even notice you're in the game because it's just, you know, it's called so smoothly, but yeah. It, and I think that that's how you kind of feel sometimes as administrators that if things go wrong, 
it's like the spotlight now is on you and you're feeling and and it's and the other analogy too i think is you are like also you feel wrong to 50 percent of the people 100 percent of the time but the 50 percent the 100 percent doesn't go away but the 50 percent changes back and forth right <laughs> you made this decision yeah. these people are mad these people are mad about this decision right and it kind of goes back and forth so taking this year what would you say and you can say if there's none like what would you say has been like something that you've seen as a success like this thing went well or i'm really proud of this like is there something and i know i know that we've talked enough that i'm sure you got at least yeah. and maybe it's that maybe maybe it's that your keys are not turned in maybe that's what <laughs> yeah. it is but like what would you point to is like this is this is the one thing i'm really proud of this year yeah, the um in in the communications the acknowledgement of how hard things have been for the staff mm -hmm. and the struggles that they're going through, the changes and um, letting them, I, I think what's been a success is acknowledging the difficulty mm -hmm. and recognizing that this is unlike any other right. year that we've ever had, but we're going through this together. We're learning about this together and uh, we're going to come out better for it mm -hmm. on the other end of this. And the way we're going to do that is by sticking together mm -hmm. and riding the wave. And um, when we hit the shoreline, we'll be able to stand on our two feet because we held each other's arms. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that um, the success in that um, is what's going to help sustain us. Like Cubby says about mm -hmm. building that emotional bank account, you know, it's the tough times is where I think you have the ability to build mm -hmm. relationships more just simply by um, acknowledging and, and helping to support, give whatever it is that's needed at the time that you can because you know that everything else is tough. Well, well, we talked, we talked before about making sure that this is not just, we don't see this as a blip to go back to what we were doing. Right. Yes. Like, it's like, oh, this yes. is like super inconvenient. Please don't. Yeah. Yes. This is super inconvenient. And I think you, you tied it in and this is the conversation we had before we recorded. Um, that idea of like people talking, like learning loss is such a, I'm just so, there's like certain things that, uh, like learning loss I'm sick of, unprecedented, I can't hear again. Like I'm just like, okay, whatever, right? You know, I just like, I'm just, quarantined is another one I'm sick of, but that's a whole other conversation. Tracing. Yeah, especially, especially in Canada. So, so I, think, I think part of it too is that really, like a lot has been gained in what we've learned, right? Like a lot of how we deal with adversity, you know, I think uh, maybe, uh, there, there's this, there's this one time I was working with these high school kids and they were t like, and this was just recently. And they told me that when it was announced that basically they were going to have a two week break, right? Two weeks to slow the spread. That's what we're a year and a half in or whatever. Right. And we're there. They were so excited. They were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This COVID thing is like awesome. Right. Cause we got like two weeks off school. This is going to be great. And they said they were about two or three days in and they're like, this sucks. And I think, I think it's even just an appreciation for what school is for many kids. Right. And for many adults too, is that, that space too, where they feel. So I think it, I think we have to, 
like with all the talk of learning loss, I think we have to talk about what's been gained, what's been gained and what, what do we appreciate more? What have we learned and what makes us better? So I think that's a really important aspect. Um, I'm going to ask you, one of the sorry, things, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Dr. I was just going to say one of the, one of the um, most important aspects um, of what we've gone through is let's not forget that um, we have always had children who come to us at different places mm. in their academic career. And so to, to blame it on the pandemic or the closures mm -hmm. of school, um, I think certainly there, there's something to it. I'm not going to say that, right. there, that there isn't truth to that. But understand that um, our children have always come to us in different places. And meeting them where they were is what was most important in helping to move them forward. Mm -hmm. So if we look at them as if they are still at even more of a deficit than they right. were, that we're doing them a disservice rather than saying, okay, tell me where you are right. and let's get you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's just that belief, right? I think it's like what you said earlier is just kind of being seen where you're at and having that. And I think if, if you have caring adults, it'll be fine. I, I, I'm, I, I just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just not worried about it. Like I just, I feel comfortable and I know people are going to, you know, do what they need to do to help kids. I have a question for you, and I don't know if you want to answer sure. it now or not. Sure. You had talked about um, sort of entertaining the like idea of the being. Podcast, the podcast mic has changed. Turn around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so if you were right. back in I building, right. leading your own team again, what would you as the building principal mm -hmm. do? Well, th this is, and I know this is, um, this is a conversation that's all over the place is about like self care, mental health, emotional well being, social emotional learning, things like that. And I think it's really, I think that's the most important aspect of this, right? I know that there's times in my career where I basically was like, honestly, nervous breakdown, couldn't do it. And I was so blessed to have administrators that said, you need to take some time off. Like you need to like go, right? Like you need to, and it's not like a negative thing. It's not like a weakness. It's just like, we need you to be okay. Like we really appreciate you. Right. And I think that's important. And I think when you're looking at these schools and this is something I've been really, really challenging too, because I, I have had lots of mental health struggles. It's not like they are gone. Right. It's not like I just, you know, they are fixed and all that other stuff. But I think that the thing that really needs to be addressed is what is causing those issues, not giving remedies to issues we are causing, right? And I always make this kind of light joke is like, we're going to work you to death. We're just going to like pile everything onto you, but then we're going to have yoga at lunch because <laughs> that will make everything better. It's like, no, like I don't want to do yoga. Just don't do all those other things that make it impossible. Right. And as when I, when I would talk to, and when I would talk to, um, I, I give this, this, in in the experience I have at central office, this is one of the things and I know this is not totally answering your question. Uh, but kind of is, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. When I worked at central office and I, I, I would have arguments with 
with my colleagues about this, I would say our job is not to pile on things to our staff. Our job is to take things off of their plate. So when all departments are sending surveys to everybody at the exact same time to validate our job, that's not helping anybody, right? Like it's, and it's like, why are you doing that? Because I need this data to like prove that you should hire me, blah, blah, blah. And I, I didn't feel like I, ne- I needed that. I said like, you know, there, I got tons of evidence of what schools are doing, things like that. So I think just kind of going at, at the, the whole district level and not just thinking about this in terms of a principal, because I'm sure you get the, and I, I'm sure you don't get this, right? I don't want to get anyone in trouble. So <laughs> I'm sure you get things. You're like, seriously, like, why are you putting this on our staff right now? Like, are you kidding me? And, and then like, I, part of my job as administrator was to filter as much away from my staff that I felt was not necessary, but still get it done but then what happens is that it's then it just then it's bad for you as a principal, right? And I like the, I, I wrote about this in Innovates of the Box in the last chapter. Like I was always shielding everybody from everything else, and then eventually caught up to me, right? And I think I think it's just you you have to like we have to like start giving some of those really, and it's not about like I, I think it I, I think it's. I think it when people talk about this, they kind of think like, oh, like you're just soft, like this generation's soft. I'm like, no, this is like you're you're asking ridiculous things. And like, so we we you know, based on your experience, we were, were around the same age. So we went to the school, we went to school in the eighties, right? Like you went to school yeah. in the eighties <laughs> for some point, right? The the thing is is that think about uh, so we learned cursive, we learned this, blah, 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 whatever, right? So go back 10 years, uh, you had to learn things, but there are certain things you didn't have to learn. Advanced 10 years. You're expected to learn all the same things that I learned in the 80s, plus this, 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 and this. Yes. Then go back, go another 10 years. So it's like, the, the thing is, is that the, the time frame of the day is literally exactly the same when I went to school. The expectations just grow and grow and grow. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to back off on some stuff. Like we got to, do we really need to be doing this? Like, do we need to be piling this stuff on? And I think that's the conversation that schools have to have more is like, hey, do we really need, like, I know, I know you are really connected to cursive handwriting. And I know that you, that, but is this really like, like this kid can curse it, but they don't know how to like, but we have adults who don't know how to go on a Zoom. They don't know how to click a link, right? <laughs> what are the basics? So I think it's just like conversations of like we, and this is really interesting. Um, and I, I, if I ever ask teachers this, this is the hardest question for them to answer. What should you take off the plate? They just, oh. they, like I've asked us like, what can we take off the plate? And they just, they, they have a really hard time because it's just so embedded that everything's important, right? And I, so I, I think to me, it's like, just like, let's just take a step back, look at what's needed. What can we just say? No, we don't need to do this anymore. What can we take off of plates? Right. So I, I don't know if that's like a, a, a cop out answer, but I think that in you, you said this, but you've, you shared many examples of this, that you just get, we get, people get so overwhelmed. Like they people, it's like, oh, your my plate is full. No, it's not. It's not. My plate is not full. I have a platter and it's overflowing. Yes. Like you're, yes. you're just, it's nonstop, <laughs> but thanks for the yoga class. Right. It's like, no, that's, that's not enough. So, <laughs> so it's like that. I think that like the whole purpose of that is not to go soft on people, but it is to get people. It is to help them do a better job. That, that is the, that is the focus. 
It's, it's like if you take care of people, then they take care of the kids, then everyone does better. But if the people can't like get up in the morning because they're so overwhelmed, what's that helping? So, and we a- often don't um, take the time to, I think, have the conversations that mm-hmm. um, help people see what is the important stuff, right? So that they recognize what they can either take off the plate or put totally. to the side. Totally. And there's so many distractions right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I say this to when I do workshops. And I, I say, look, I'm not, I do not want to add time to your day. I want you to look at things, how you could do them different and better. And so I'll say like, Hey, I know many of you are doing this. Have you thought about doing this instead? This get, this might promote deeper learning. And if you don't think it does, then don't do it, but don't, don't do what you're doing. Plus we got to like, say what goes right. And that's what need leaders need. I think whether it's training or mm-hmm. support in doing is helping others to recognize mm-hmm. Um, or at least what questions should I be asking to help teachers figure out wh- where's the importance, totally. where's the important stuff. So Dr. Ola, I, I know that you are very busy and we're like coming up to the end of your time. I, so I'm going to take this advantage. I don't want to go. No, this is, I love this. This is great. But I'm going to ask you a personal question that has nothing to do with uh, K-12 education. But so, okay, okay. So you're in Long Island. And I grew up an Islanders fan. And so I just figured like basically everyone in Long Island lived 20 minutes from each other, but it's not like that. It's like huge. Right. So as, and you said you grew up in Queens, correct? Yes. Okay. So my daughter memory there. Yeah. 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 So I actually listen. It's like one of the best things about the podcast is actually I've learned to listen to people. So the, so this, I'm going to get, this is, I'm taking advantage of this, that you grew up in New York. So this is like this part, this part of the podcast is directly for my daughter, Kalia. So she is four and a half. If you ask her, like, I'll say when, when this is all over, where do you want to go? New York city, New York city. So if you, you're talking to my daughter right now, when this is all over, what, what do we need to do? And you can't, and you can't say statue of Liberty. You can't say like the touristy things. You got to give us like the, you got to give us like the, the, yeah, you grew up there, the, the versions. Yes. Okay. Right? And I love the name, Kalia. Like, that's just melodic. She's a good kid. That's She's a good so kid. Beautiful. Mm. Um, okay. So, um, first, I'm going to tell you, come to Long Island for the beaches. Okay. Right? At least. And you don't have to go to the Hamptons. <laughs> the beaches are just as beautiful. Okay. Um, you know, Rockaway Beach okay. um, or, uh, or otherwise. But... You definitely want to when you come um, or, or to New York City, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have to make sure that you get to, um, um, I don't want to say Central Park, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, You can say Central Park. You can say Central Park. Oh, no, no. But that's too, no, that's like too common. Right. Like you're going to get there no matter what. <laughs> you come to the city, you make sure right. that you get there. Um, but you want to make sure that you get to... Um, uh, I think the Brooklyn, um, like where the Brooklyn Nets play. Oh, yeah. You gotta get, now you love basketball. I do I'm love sure basketball. She's gonna love it too. Brooklyn has right? a good team she's now too. I love it too. Yeah. Yes. And so I think that you want to make sure that you take her um, there and then um, and then to Coney Island so that she has a bit of the amusement park. I experience. forgot about Coney Island. That was like a thing as a kid. And yeah. I just, you don't hear about it as much anymore. I don't know. I just... Right. 
Yeah, she she they had to close for for a while with uh, <laughs> like everything the else. pandemic. Like everything, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, she that's her. So, uh, it, she her her dream, like her four and a half year old dream, is New York Taylor Swift concert. Like that's like she oh. wants. To, Right. And like, that's, yes. that's everything for her. So like, I've got her really into like vinyl. Uh, she, she loves vinyl records uh, because she just feels she has more control. Like, it's really kind of interesting to see that. Like, like she, we have access to like music on our phones, blah, blah, blah. And she just, she wants that. She oh, likes that vinyl yeah. experience. And I think that's, you know, that's me kind of, you know, brainwashing her. That's to all it. you. That's, that's so all me, you. Right? <laughs> so, Hey, I, I'm going to, I'm going to clip that out just uh just uh, for Clea, so, you know, because yeah. she's really excited about that. But Dr. Outlaw, seriously, it was awesome just to hang out with you. And I told you, this is like totally selfish. I love doing the podcast and just, you know, getting to know you better, kind of hear about your journey. So um, hopefully- I'm the blessed one. I'm lucky. Thank uh, right? You. You, I, I hopefully I, I did the same thing for you as, you know, did the little lift your head up thing. So um, everyone, can I ask you, like, you said you're on Twitter, right? So yes. how, do we, how do we find you on Twitter? At? drl outlaw drl outlaw so that is actually in the description for anyone make sure you connect with dr outlaw she is awesome and and like is is you know you said you had a really tough year and it's just amazing how you i I just see how you lift everybody up including myself so you're carrying me down to june so thank you that's it okay we're recording this in april so all right. So if, if we need if we need to do like an emergency podcast, you know, mid June, let me know. Okay. I will. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody for listening, Doctor Ella. Thanks for uh, being my guest today, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care.